the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who bids us to this time and place of worship where we know his presence as the word is proclaimed, as the word is sung and confessed, affirmed, and as we gather with one another. It is a joy to be with you on this first day of the week, this Lord's Day. Especially grateful for those visitors who are with us. We are blessed by the presence of our guest as you pray this is a blessed time for each of us as we worship together. As we prepare for worship, just a reminder of ministries as they are before us. I hope you've noticed in the bulletin the ministries following our Labor Day weekend. Uh, the ministries of our children and youth will resume after worship as we gather with, with families to share in a gather round table, share a meal together before going different ways in regard to those ministry areas. Uh, run, reminder as well, the children's choirs will uh, be here again tomorrow after worship. And at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, we share a ministry of donuts on the corner, just wanting to, to brighten the days of our neighbors to begin their Mondays together uh, with a gift of a donut. And anyone who's, inter who's interested may be a part of that as well. Mission team will meet on Wednesday evening and hoping that next Saturday you've made time to be a part of the Rise Against Hunger ministry that will begin in our Uptown Ministry Center at 8.30 and go perhaps no longer than 11 o'clock, but it's a wonderful ministry where we gather to prepare meals for the needy around the world. And this is for all ages and it's even for those beyond this faith community. So I hope you'll be a part of that next Saturday morning. Before us, a representation of the scripture as it is before us in the Gospel of Luke. We've been spending a lot of time with Luke this year and Jesus speaks to us from chapter 14 regarding taking up the cross to follow him. And I look forward to, to sharing in that message with you. And I invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship before us, I invite us to stand as we share in this call. Excuse me. You may be seated as a choral introit. I apologize. may stand. We come to hear the story of God's faithfulness to past generations. But we also look to the future as well as the past. The God who was with our ancestors is with us as well.
may be seated. I invite us to go to God with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We recognize, O oh God, you blessed each one with skills, talents, abilities, and opportunities to minister. Help us to use our gifts for service and ministry in our congregation, our neighborhood, city, and wherever we have opportunity. And now, O oh God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are assured of your great love for us, and we renew our commitment to follow Jesus the Christ. Amen. We share the word of God first as it comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verses 15 through 20, as God speaks to the people about some choices they have to make in regard to allegiance to him as they step into the promised land. First, we pray. Lord, we praise you for leading us to this point. We pray we would be faithful going forward. And we give you thanks for your word spoken to us now as it has been spoken to generations past, a word alive this day and always. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land which you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Therefore, choose life, that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and cleaving to him, for that means life to you and length of days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is the word of our Lord.
I'll invite our children to come forward as we share our children's time. Just you? Guys, you look very pretty today. Oh, you're welcome. So, how you doing? School going well so far? Yes. Wonderful. That's awesome. Now, those are really cool birds. They're very colorful. <laughs> I love your bow. It's very sweet. So, do you guys know what it's like to lift something really heavy that you can't really lift on your own? No. Have you ever had to lift something that you couldn't write pick up? That was really hard? No, really? No. Wow. Man, when I was your age, I had to lift things I wasn't able to pick up all the time. My older brother made me do it to laugh at me. But he taught me a really important lesson by doing that. And something that God likes to teach us, too, is that when we have something that's really heavy that we can't lift on our own, we need help to do so. If we need help, then it's important for us to go and ask for that help. See, God knows that when there's something in our lives, it may not be something like a really big toy chest or something really heavy. It may be something that is heavy for us on the inside. God knows what it's like to help us lift that. Jesus calls it carrying our cross. You see, when Jesus had to carry the cross, it was this really big wooden stick that he had to lug around with him um, one time. And he had to lug it around with him. It was really hard for him to carry. And when Jesus said for us to carry that, he's saying that there are going to be things that come our way that are going to be really hard for us to carry. And even Jesus needed help to carry his cross. Some people sent another guy to help him carry it for him. So when we have our crosses that we carry, Jesus is there to help us carry it because he knows what it's like to have a hard time carrying something so heavy. So, when there's something heavy that you can't lift on your own, or you need help doing something, always remember to ask for help from somebody who's able to do it. And the only person who's really able to help us carry the really heavy things is Jesus. And he's perfectly good at doing it because he's super strong. So, let's bow our heads and pray. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for helping us to carry the heavy things in life that you lead us and you guide us and you're there as a helping hand and you don't just tell us to carry it ourselves, but you get down there with us and you help us carry it because you love us. We thank you so much, Jesus. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, children. Again, the Gospel of Luke is before us, chapter 14. We hear these words of Jesus, verses 25 through 33. Now great multitudes accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and to take counsel whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an embassy and asks terms of peace. So therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the word of our Lord. Well, for those leaders in the Christian church who make decisions about the seasons of the church year, may I make a suggestion? My suggestion, I would like to switch a couple of these seasons, if you allow me. You see, it as it, as it is now, the seasons of the church year are lined up in this order. We begin with the season of Advent, preparing us for the birth of Jesus. We then have the brief season of Christmastide, and then we move to the season of Epiphany, reminding us Jesus is the manifestation of God's salvation for all. Then the season of Lent, leading us to Good Friday. Next, the season of Eastertide, calling us to live in the light of the resurrection. Finally, the season of Pentecost, in which we now find ourselves until we begin a new church year with Advent. My suggestion, let's switch the seasons of Lent and Pentecost. If I'd like to get a second, I'd like to speak to that. <laughs> I say this because remember the 40-day the season of Lent leads us to recall Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and Jesus' 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. A season full of barren places offering us little of any relief that, we recall, is the season we call Lent. So why does it feel so much like this season of Pentecost? I mean, this season in which we now travel seems to be a lengthy, barren season. Seems to drag on endlessly, offering little refreshment to us travelers. We look behind and we see times of celebration in the church, such as the day of Pentecost and Easter, are so distant we hardly recognize them from here. And we look before us and the birth of Jesus has yet to come into view. And here we are. Doesn't it feel like the wilderness? And not only this, in this wilderness wanderings of Lent, we are called to self-examination. To see if we can carry the cross of Jesus. To see if we are able to follow him. Well, we find these questions are before us in Pentecost as well. In recent weeks, we have heard Jesus speak of how allegiance to him will bring turmoil within our own homes. We've seen him in conflict with religious leaders regarding who can come to the table. Today, we hear Jesus speak of relationships at risk because he shows up. So welcome to the wilderness. And again, my suggestion, let's switch the seasons of Lent and Pentecost 
for this season seems to be a dry season in the church here, doesn't it? A time in need of some inspiration. The Labor Day weekend we know is behind us. And vacations have passed for many. School has begun. Still, we're in summer. It is hot. It is dry. We finally made it through August. Do you know how many days are in August? 83. I counted. 83 days in August. Trust me. And all leading us to these words of Jesus this morning. This morning, finding us in the wilderness of Pentecost. Well, Jesus, our, our journey is tough enough. Do you, you have to set these words before us? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever of you that does not renounce all he has cannot be my disciple. Well, our season has just become more trying. Such harsh words, words speaking to what it cost to follow Jesus. I mean, with words such as these, it's a wonder any of us are here. So, so what is it that sets the stage for Jesus to speak these words? Well, it's important we notice a couple of things. For one, we are not told Jesus is out calling disciples. Instead, we are told great multitudes accompanied him. There is a difference. The difference being that these multitudes accompanying Jesus may be enthusiastic, may be attracted to Jesus, yet have no idea what is involved in living as a disciple of Jesus. Well, we understand. In fact, we, we at times foster this idea that to live as a disciple of Jesus is fun and games. We invite people to church and speak of the positive aspects of the church, the music and programs and worship space and friendly people and missions, and all of this understandable. Our Christian bookstores witness to the way in which we soft sell the Christian faith. Glossy book covers with upbeat titles and feel-good messages telling of the glories to be ours if we follow Jesus. So it's not our practice to speak of the demands upon us, what it may cost, what is expected if we join the Church of Christ. No doubt, we know of those who have come to church with great enthusiasm, excited to be a part of this place where lives are changed and people are blessed. And then some crisis of faith may arise and some difficulty present itself that no easy answer is found. So they miss a Sunday or miss Sunday school or some small group meeting and no one thinks much of it at first. Then after a while, someone asks, does anyone know what happened to... A sad story unfolding countless times in the life of a church. Yet the story Jesus wants to avoid with his words to these crowds. You see, it appears that those who entertain the idea that following Jesus is fun and games may have no idea what it cost. That is to say, if they so quickly jump on board to follow Jesus, 
they may, after discovering what it cost, just as quickly jump off board. It's a situation in which no one wins, and it is the situation that Jesus wishes to avoid with his words this morning. You see, Jesus doesn't want to invite failure on the part of anyone. He doesn't want to be a part of a scenario in which someone excitedly says yes to him, only to see that person who said yes is unable to keep his word. Jesus would prefer this. If you say yes to following me, be sure you know what you are saying yes to. Be sure you are prepared to pay the cost. Like a man wishing to build a tower, be sure you have the materials you need so as to complete what you begin. And like a king going to war, make sure you have the forces necessary to overcome your rival. You do not wish to leave unfinished what you have begun. You do not wish to leave such pursuits incomplete. Do not take living as my disciple any less seriously than you take any other pursuit in life, pursuits of less consequence than taking up your cross to follow me. You see, Jesus would rather have us count the cost, admit we find such cost excessive, and say no to him, rather than saying yes only to fail. We hear his words. And perhaps in spite of our difficulty in hearing his words, we appreciate his honesty. Here, at least, is truth in advertising. So how do we respond? Well, if we're as honest as Jesus, we know we don't have to follow him. We can hear his words, do the calculations, arrive at that point at which we say, I can't do this. That option is before us, an option acknowledged by Jesus. But if we don't follow Jesus, whom do we follow? We know we follow someone or something. None of us here lives in a vacuum with reference to no one or anything. So if we engage in the calculations Jesus invites, determined discipleship of Jesus is not for us, then who do we follow? I'm not speaking only of other faith options. And we know the Bible knows well there's no shortage of idols to which we may itch ourselves. Given the consequences we know for deciding to follow Jesus, relationships lost, selfish pursuits denied, taking up the cross, it may be we choose to live our lives in pursuit of something other than Jesus. It is clear there are consequences to following Jesus, just as there are consequences to not following him. Our lives are shaped differently if we follow Jesus, aren't they? Jesus turns everything upside down for us. We say life is found in what we gain. Jesus says life is found in what you lose. We say life is found in accumulating for ourselves. Jesus says life is found in denying yourselves. 
We say life is found in achieving and accomplishing. Jesus says life is found in serving and giving and taking up the cross. But I notice you're here today. Despite any hesitation we may have about following Jesus, despite any uncertainty, we've stirred ourselves to come and worship Jesus. Because in spite of ourselves, we want to have something to do with Jesus. For we see in Jesus one who through his sacrifice, through his love of others, through his obedience even unto death, through his resurrection, we see someone who's pleasing to God. We want to have something to do with a life like his. We too want to be people of resurrection. If you receive the local paper, you may have read in Friday's edition my account of an encounter I had with a certain lady in the hospital a few weeks ago. I was there to visit a member of First Church, and having had prayer with her, I was leaving her room when a lady across the hall called to me, asked me if I could help her. I was not sure how to respond. I thought maybe this lady believed me to be some medical personnel, which I'm not. And as I hesitated in the hallway, I was relieved to see a nurse approaching. I would simply then direct the nurse to assist this woman. But before I could speak to the nurse, the woman seeking my help said to me, I want you to come pray with me. I was more than happy to do so. Entering her room, she took my hand. I can still feel her hand. She told me she was so grateful to God for bringing her through some difficult days. A scary medical episode at home had brought her to the hospital. She had been anxious about a medical procedure that was to be performed on her, but the procedure had taken place and she was doing well and she would soon be discharged. And yes, she had called me into her room to pray with her, but she would be the one offering the prayer. Still holding my hand and smiling, she offered to God a heartfelt, touching prayer of thanksgiving. We then spoke some more. I would find, find out she had been to First Church a few years ago. She had taken part in our Good Friday crosswalk. She had participated in some training sessions offered by the Early Learning Center. I told her I would continue to pray for her as I left. You see, when we say yes to following this crucified and risen Lord, these holy moments bind us. Yes, we may pay a price for following Jesus, but we also find as we follow him, we live a life to be found nowhere else, with no one else. We may even be brought to confess it is worth all it cost to follow this crucified and risen Lord. Amen.
you stand as we sing. <clears throat> affirm our faith with words of scripture from 1 Corinthians and Colossians, number 888 in our hymnals and before us. We affirm our faith. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, then to Peter and the twelve and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. <coughs> Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross, reconciles all things to God. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
We worship God as our ushers will come forward and we receive God's tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, you withhold nothing from us. It is your pleasure to bless us beyond measure. We pray for daily bread, yet you give us so much more. You give to us even your Son, that we may live. We return to you a portion of the gifts we have received from you with a prayer that they would be a blessing to you and all your people. Amen. You may be seated. 
We worship God as we pray. We do so remembering that we are called to be a people who ask and seek and knock those who pray without ceasing. So we go to God with the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time in prayer. I will name a series of petitions, concluding each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting you to name those concerns that are upon your heart as well. And then we will conclude with our Lord's Prayer. We go to God as we pray. Lord, we know you continue to call us to follow you, that you call us to take up our cross to follow, to live as your disciples. You call us even though the cost seems hard. Lord, you will not let us go. For this, we give you thanks. You assure us that you are the God who walks with us always through all things, that nothing can separate us from your love. And we know that even when we stray or fall short or miss the mark, you continue to reach toward us to call us to follow you and to know the fullness of life that is found only in you. For your love, which knows no bounds, and for your call, which will not end, we give you thanks. And we pray that we would grow in faith and to grow in obedience, to walk more closely, more faithfully with you. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. For those recovering from Hurricane Dorian. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints present with us now praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Stand as we sing.
our Lord does go with us as we go from this place, a light in this community and beyond, proclaiming the good news that God is with us now and always. Go in peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.